And welcome everybody to another All Japan Women Destiny podcast episode. It's episode 25. We have finally reached the point where Kay joined the Red Leaf Retrocast as a full-time host. He was try- still trying to get some of his mic uh, uh, greenhornness out of him. So the original audio you will hear after I give you kind of the introduction and a little more information I was able to kind of confirm and find out. Uh, is going to be a little bit more rough than usual. Uh, Kay was a little bit more echoey back in the day, and uh, you will hear my old microphone as well. But after that, we kind of got our our uh, our nonsense together. It got much better as we went on. But in this episode, episode 25, and as you know, this is an offshoot of the Red Leaf Retrocast, where we just kind of want to re-listen and uh, get more kind of the algorithm out there to get more people to get into All Japan Women in general. Uh, This episode is 25. Uh, We are in the year 1988 now. Uh, It's April 2nd from Yokohama Gymnasium. Uh, This is uh, now on the heels uh, coming after uh, quite a few retirements. Devil Masami uh, retired at the end of 87. And just about a month ago, the double retirement of uh, top champion Yukari Omori, who lost the title to Chugusa Nagayo not too long before her retirement, and the top heel Dump Matsumoto also retired and more or less pretty much stayed that way. Occasional appearance every now and again in Battle Royals or just wacky tag matches, but this this is, for all intents and purposes, uh, the end of... Dump Matsumoto's uh, full-time career. And that creates a massive uh, heel hole within the promotion. And without a true leader, they now begin the rise of Bull Nakano taking over this group. And in the meantime, we've also seen the re-establishment of a... Or not re-establish, an establishment of a new heel group called Dynamite Gundam. I assume a uh, pun on the word Gundam. And it consisted of Dynamite King, Queen, and Jack, which are kind of offshoot members of uh, Gokaku Dome under masks, uh, in which Dynamite King is Karu Kage, Queen is Drill Nakame, uh, Bear is Grizzly Iwamoto, but she uh, wouldn't be uh, f- for the role very much longer. It's a very short amount of time because Grizzly does join up with Bull Nakano as kind of her number two full time. So Bear under the mask is replaced by Combat to- Toyota, whom also gets kind of released, I believe, later in 1988. So that role is kind of uh, uh, short lived. But the main member of this Dynamite Gundam team, at least in my opinion, is Dynamite Jack, who is Crane U, whom I believe like had a short like injury retirement, and she came back under a mask, and that's kind of referencing her old masked U character, in which she was in Devil Masami's kind of faction stable uh, Devil Corpse, uh, which was real cool. So this is... Uh, Cranew's short-lived comeback as uh, I believe she uh, officially uh, permanently retires uh, later in 88, early 89, off the top of my head. 
And I reference this because they got to fill this. They basically become a mass stable to cause a bunch of nonsense and uh, eat falls to your uh, tag teams on the rise, pushing new stars up the card. They were kind of the gatekeepers of that, and they would also lose to your uh, main eventers. So a good a good mid card, lower lower card stable group that uh, was was quite large and could could be a nice little enforcing group. In the meantime, as they're trying to establish Bull Nakano as the new top heel. Uh, the other members of this Dynamite Gundam team, you might uh, remember like Karu Kage and Drill Nakame would kind of uh, be Dump Matsumoto's uh, kind of mental game assistants, if you will. If you remember in the kind of hair versus hair mask, there was a swerve in which I believe it was Kage that uh, played the fake Matsumoto in the ring to kind of mess with Jugus Nagao. It's a really, it's a really, really cool entrance and good swerve. Uh, it's, again, one of the best matches of the 80s. I said uh, we, we've covered that a, a couple times on the podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but also on this show, uh, as I run down the card here, we got uh, Japanese Tag Championship, so just kind of a, a low-card tag title. It's uh, a young Aja Kong going by Erika Shishido at this time. She's teaming with Nobuko Kimura. And they take on, I believe their tag teams, the Honey Wings, uh, Mika Takahashi and Kaoru Meida. Yes, Kaoru herself. Uh, also not long, not too, not too long for... A uh, a little push in AJW. She kind of doesn't uh, come out of the, come out into more of a spotlight until uh, Gaia with Nagayo creating in the mid nineties. Uh, but it's a I, I kind of like the Honey Wings. Uh, the very little we get to see of them. The next match after that is your Gundam team taking on Asuka, uh, Akira Hokuto going by Uno at the time, and uh, Mika Suzuki. That's Suzu Suzu uh, Su- Su- <laughs> Suzuka Manami uh, later. So. We're we're seeing a lot of young names starting to crop up now and be featured on these classics uh, more frequent on the cards because, like I said, Masami's gone, Omori's gone, Matsumoto is the big one that's now gone. Um, match after that's the WWF Tag Titles, Jumping Bomb Angels uh, against the Fire Jets, the Bomb Angels in the middle of their big WWF run, so they got the, the full denim going on. They're against the Fire Jets, so Hota now has a permanent tag partner. They're in full uh, Power Ranger, kind of power armor gear. They're very wacky. They become a featured tag team, uh, trying to find out where Hota kind of fits on the card, but the Bomb Angels are very much... Uh, twice the team they used to be, a newfound confidence, newfound look, and they're primed for uh, big things in 1988. And it's really, it's re- it's a really fun journey to kind of check them out on. In the main event, all Pacific title, this begins uh, because they're pushing Bull Nakano. They immediately throw her into a main event for the white belt against Chigusa Nagayo. Now the de facto, no questions asked, top star in the company, top of the card, even though. Uh, and and she has the red belt as well right now. That's what may she's double champion. There there is no other question. Devil Masami, Matsumoto, they're all gone. Got to create new heels, and they're doing everything they can to make Nagayo the biggest star imaginable at this point, even from a wrestling perspective, not just uh, the Crush Gals phenomena. So 1988 is is a huge year 
uh, in All Japan Women, and it's also the final year uh, before kind of a huge generation turnover in 89, and you get kind of this year and a half long spree, which Kay and I go into on future podcast episodes quite in depth over kind of what what they could have done differently or what just didn't quite work out uh, during uh, the exit of the Crush Gals. But in this, in the meantime, we are going to see the Crush Gals just be the promotion and the risable Nakano and just trying to figure out where everyone else lies in the promotion. And you get to see uh, the next big class uh, debut and the, the slow rise of Aja Kong becoming... Uh, uh, filling in the role that Bul- Bulnakano used to have uh, in Gokaku Dome. So we get to see Goku and Toe uh, rise up. And if I have names mixed up, forgive me. It's uh, It's been a long day. But uh, enjoy the original audio. And that does it for me here. All right, retro section of the podcast, our main section while we're here, Retro Wrestling, Red Leaf Retrocast, found on Spotify, iTunes. Go to uh, iTunes and Podchaser, leave us a review, I will read it on the podcast. Uh, Maybe we'll get one one of these days. (laughs) (laughs) Kay, uh, you're a Joshi fan, I think it's safe to say. I very much am, I think it's safe to say, yeah. We've been watching these old Japan women classics, I've been watching 25 of these now for the podcast, reviewing every single one. We are on episode 25. You watched this with me. How awesome was this show as I hit my microphone stand? I'm sorry. Uh, New Japan, I mean, all Japan, it, uh, just AJW in general. It's just when you go back and watch it, it's just so good. Like even their undercard stuff just felt way better than modern stuff. It's weird to sort of contrast the two. It's almost like it's unfair to sort of compare any of it to like modern stardom or ice ribbon, sure. you know, you, stars are way bigger. They feel much bigger. I mean, you had Shkusa Nagaya with a goddamn section of her own, just cheering for her nonstop. Like they didn't even take a breath. It seemed it's crazy, right? It's a, it's a different environment. This is when people say that the women were actually outdrawing the men in Japan at the time. And in the eighties and early nineties, they certainly were. And it was because of shows that they were putting on like this. So let's get into it. It is All Japan Women at Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium, April 2nd, 1988. We're slowly getting into the prime 90s. Currently, we are in the transitional period where now all of the stars of the 70s and 80s have been retired, a.k.a. your Jaguar Yakotas, your Devil Masamis, your Dump Matsumotos are all gone. They're creating new stars, such as your Jumping Bomb Angels, your uh, Crush Gals, who are at a uh, peak high, and a new star budding, your cultural gap in between the 80s and 90s budding stars, Bull Nakano. So on this show, we start out with the Japanese Tag Championship. It is vacant currently, which is very common in all Japan women due to whether it be injuries or early retirements or what have you. We have Eriko Shishido teaming up with Nobuko Kimura. You might know Eriko Shishido as the prior named Aja Kong. Oh, yeah. 
versus Mika Takashi, Takahashi, and Kaoru Maeda. Still oh, wrestling just... till this day. <laughs> or just Kaoru now, as you as, as most probably see her. Whew. Yes, the uh, comedy character in Sendai. Marvelous, was, marvelous, or marvelous, where we where we see her. So yes, um, I believe uh, Shishido and Kimura do win this match. Quite funny. It's just a highlight match of your future stars of just the Joshi women's wrestling scene. Not much else the, to say there. Young Aja is just crazy to watch. Yeah, she's uh, she's a lot more skinny and fit now. She's still got her big thick thighs, but. Uh, you can slowly see her start to develop into the person she becomes. The monster she becomes. Yeah. This is followed up by a trios match. And boy, do we get a trios match. It is the newly formed faction. So Dump Matsumoto's retired. Therefore, Gokaku Dome is gone. And now it's Bull Nakano's faction. An offset of the... Gokaku Dome faction, now known as, I guess, the Dynamite Squad, I guess we'll call them as. The 80s Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, I was waiting for it. The mass yeah. everything. The mass Dark Order. We got Dynamite King, Dynamite Queen, and Dynamite Jack, all part of Bull Nakano's faction, versus Linus Asuka, Hisaku Uno, not yet known as Akira Hokuto, still waiting for that moment to happen, and Mika Suzuki. Yes, uh, if I remember correctly, this goes to a DQ finish. It does. Yeah, DQ finish. King, Queen, and Jack are a bunch of jobbers. True Dark Order fashion. They suck, but they're (laughs) the lead heels uh, against our lead faces here. It's a simple enough told match, and it plays into kind of our roles that we will see going forward. It was fun. Um, Clearly... It's it's the job squad of AJW Clearly. against. Uh, I mean, it's, it's weird, right? Bolticano's tire backing is just job squad, but she's like yes. the mega star. It's a weird contrast there, right? Um, obviously, the 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 future Akira Hokuto still looks great even before she becomes your Akira Hokuto. You can just see, the, yeah, the, she's the she's of- uh, she's been back for a broken neck for a few months now, and she's still trying to get into the flow of things. But she's still like feels and looks like somebody that you would put main event like in two years time about there right yeah they're waiting for her to kind of like get her look and personality they're just waiting on that to her to and boy and boy does she (laughs) yeah wwf women yes wwf women's tag titles they did exist before (laughs) stephanie mcmahon invented women's wrestling (laughs) so here they are the jumping the jumping bomb angels versus the fire jets so we've ju- we just learned about the Fire Jets really in the previous episode, episode 24. They're taking on the returning from America Jumping Bomb Angels, and they are bigger stars now than ever. They are fucking cool as shit. They are awesome looking. They have jean shorts and jean jackets. They got America shit all over them. They are <laughs> fucking international stars now. Oh, God. They felt so different, didn't they? It was just they, another like, level. They are another level. This is this is your moment. Like we we spoke about this with the uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, where Yuka Sakazaki comes off as this just huge star, next level. That's what this is. The Jumping Bomb Angels could do whatever they want in the ring. You just know that they are so 
much better than anyone else at the time. They're international superstars. And in Japan, they come across as such. They have succeeded outside of their own country. And they're up against this new hotshot, fire jet, young boy, young woman, uh, team <laughs> of Hota and whoever the, whoever the person that retires in two years is. I forget her name right now. Fire Jets. Uh, the pop, we'll find the out why she... Got. Yeah, we'll find out why she retires later. But yeah, uh, just to highlight... Yeah, the, the, the pop they got when they came out to the ring was just the crowd just blew up as they walked out. It was crazy how big they were. It's incredible, uh, true star power there. But let's get to our main event. It is the three WA All Pacific Championship match. So it's not the three WA title; it's the white belt. Okay. Yeah. So Chigusa Nagayo has both titles at this time, red and white, and she's taking on Bull Nakano. The successor to Gokaku Dome and Dump Matsumoto. This is her coming out match. Dump just retired. And over the last month, Bull Nakano has made it her mission to try to beat the shit out of Dump Matsumoto's top rival, Nagayo-san. Okay? And Bull Nakano comes out with her... Like, she's pulling out all the stops. She's coming out like... Dump Matsumoto used to, but she's putting her own spin on it. She's coming out with the banners. Uh, she's coming out with her own now new branded faction, the uh, the playing card team of the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> and she's all blue. She's got the blue face paint on with like lightning bolts going on. Blue Kano has appeared. Blue Kano has the violent smurf. The violent smurf is to the ring, and she looks utterly ridiculous, yet terrifying. Yeah, she does. She is all business. The crowd is like, holy shit, look at this chick. And then Nagayo's music hits. And uh, it's like on a dime, if you could hear that snap on the microphone. It was, the crowd lit up immediately. Nagayo, Nagayo... Chi, Gusa, Chi, like it's, it's everyone's in tandem, right? With whatever chant that they want. It's the entire cheering squad. Nagayo's coming up dressed like fucking Rambo over here. Rambo Rambo Nagayo Nagayo (laughs) is here to stay. No one's like, she sees Blue Kano. She goes, all right, I'm putting on the camo. I'm putting on the headband. I might rip your arm off. And that's what happened here. It was it was so good. It's like, oh, you want to be blue? You want to be the violent smurf? I'll just be Rambo. <laughs> be fucking Rambo. That's a hot movie of the time. It is amazing, and I love this about all Japan wrestling. And I really wish we kind of see this to an extent in Joshi wrestling, but it's not enough in wrestling as a gen- as in general. In all Japan, women, when you have heavy hitting matches like this, Nagayo Bulnakano. Right? This is their big money match that they could put on at the time. Okay? Yeah. They get big costume changes, and they're trying to emphasize their character for this big money match. Right? Yeah. Bulnakano's all violent smurf up in here, and the guy was like, alright, I'll match you with Rambo. Because that's the big cultural hit at the time. We don't get enough of this in wrestling. Like, we kind of got this with uh, Hikaru Shida. At AEW Double or Nothing, when she dressed up as 
Tifa? You know, as the big powerful video game female of the hot video game at the time? Hey, that's great. More of that. I love that. That hits your audience in the best way possible. And we all felt it along with the unfortunate events at the time. Because we all felt how big that match felt for Hikaru Shida. More of that, please. Oh, definitely. I mean, you see it in small spades, like, I guess, like, Jungle Kiona's gear. Um, I think Kind of paying Momo, homage, yeah, sure. When Momo had her first big title defense, I think she could have switched her gear, but she didn't. She waited for her rival defense with Hazuki to switch up her gear. So I think you see it sometimes, right? They, they debut new gear, but it never feels like the same, right? It doesn't feel like a big deal as much anymore. Um, Maya well, did. That's, Maya, be- that's he- because when we see it here in All Japan, it's a drastic change. It is oh, a no, huge, like an upgrade. Like, like Nagai, like Nagayo looks nothing like herself. You know, it's not just this. Oh, it's new gear. This is fucking Rambo. We're looking at here. We know what we're looking at. Boldacano, I'm gonna fucking paint my entire face blue and put white lightning bolt things in it, and I'm gonna have sparkles. So when when the camera gets a close up view, looks terrifying as. Fuck. And I have to swear, because that's the only way I can I can uh, portray what I'm seeing on the screen. That's how cool this looks. Everything looks cool. It, it makes me pay attention to the huge money match that I'm looking at. You're not wrong. Like I can like you said, so like they change gear, but they don't change like their it's not drastic, right? So I think you're right on the money with that. It's not even just like a change of gear or like a change of like drastic change it's an upgrade it always feels like it feels like chigusa comes out looking more cool uh nakano comes out looking way more cool than they had like just a day or so prior right it's right it's uh, it's unreal you don't you don't see that anymore you're right um i mean you see drastic changes like utami and saya's gear but those don't really feel like the same way right no because they're busting out at like a house show yeah it's weird right they should have just done it later do it later at a big, like, if they busted, if they, if Utami dyed her hair, bust out the fringe, Saya bust out her fringe gear for the big goddess of title, uh, uh, tag title match, it would have, I think it would have had much more impact than what we saw just coming back from uh, pandemic uh, hiatus, right? Like, I, yeah. it kind of, it kind of rolls off the same way, like everyone, ha- but here's the thing, everyone had new gear. It wasn't just them individually, so it kind of makes that it kind of makes the promotion more of a big deal rather than the individuals. Yeah, I can see that. Like there was like what Mayu had slight alterations to her gear that made sure. it look a little different. Uh, Azumi dyed her hair. Yeah, um, it all kind of rolled together as yeah, a, instead of like emphasizing a, change, a single yeah. person. Yeah. So the match here was very one sided. But was but told a great story. Bull Nakano beats the shit out of Nagayo. But much like with our Arisa, uh, Arisa Yoshiko story, Bull Nakano could not keep Nagayo down. And Bull Nakano had a spike in her uh, badass onesie, like the whole time, and she was stabbing Nagayo throughout. She would parade it around to the crowd behind. Uh, the ref's the ref. back, and then when the ref would look, she'd like place it like in her in her uh, between her cleavage cleavage. She'd place it uh, in her in her under boob. She'd place it in her butt, like any place that the the ref just wouldn't look. And he's always like 
are you like stabbing this chick? And she'd be like, oh no, check me. I have nothing, bitch. And <laughs> after so like good. the fourth check, she just happens to, and this, this was very kind of WCW Kevin Sullivan thing where he would have a spike and he'd pass it off to his, his second outside the ring. So when the ref finally goes, all right, motherfucker, you're doing some shit. I'm fully checking you. Ah, well, little did you know, I just passed it off to my second unbeknownst to you so yeah yeah fully check me it is the best heel shit you could possibly imagine contrast that with natsuko who we had just finished watching before this match it's this weird night and day it only makes you realize that the heels of today are pussies and they don't know what they're doing yeah really it's absolutely crazy. And then you cut back to Nagayo, and she's got, like, puncture wounds all over her. Of course she's bleeding. It's a big match. She's got a bust open, like, Dusty Rhodes roadmap on her face. <laughs> <laughs> and then, after this heavy beating she takes down for this entire match, all it takes is one dragon suplex, pins Nakano, and it's a flash. Just all it took was one move, caught her by surprise. Nagayo retains... It is, it is what we discussed. All it takes is one move to make someone look incredibly strong or got away with one. Make your opponent look good coming out. Make your champion look good coming out. This was an example of it. It was great. And then the post-match stuff too, right? <laughs> Again, we go back to the Anatsuko Oedotai thing, right? The post-match they beat on Tam. They did it in such a weird, wrong way that I just wanted them to stop. But this one, Bull just snapped and just was beating honor and like everything right. put to a table and everything it's just crazy right it makes because sense. because she was so upset that she got beaten by a move it wasn't a roll-up like roll-ups are cheap outs right unless you've established that the person can beat you with this particular roll-up at all times Zack Sabre Jr. with his European clutch hell Ollie I'll say it Saki Kashima with her revival roll-up that's an established flash pin. That can pin anybody. Yeah. What we saw with Tom Nakano, I don't recall her ever pinning anybody with a with a roll up like that. No, she doesn't. So she she never does. Never does. So all it, all it does is come across as as Tora as a sore loser, and Tam got beaten the shit out of while her faction didn't save her. Right. In this case, Nagayo's kind of running solo here. She came out with Rambo. Well, Nakano got beat by a move, and she fully admitted it, and she was upset that, fuck, I got beaten, right? And what did Julia do? She's like, she she dis- disregarded the pin. She I never got pinned, right? That never happened when she got pinned. It played into the moment of Saki beating her, right? They played off it as a story. What did Tom do? She ignored the fact that she even won the match, and she went straight to Julia, and Tora just left. After she had just beat on her, too. Like, she got beat up, didn't even acknowledge that she had gotten beat up on by a way to tie, and went straight to Julia. It was like a weird, like, cut. It almost felt like you were missing a part. Right. We were all, we were all missing up. the context on why something was important, and it just made, made us realize that the match we just saw wasn't more important than the match that we're going to see. Here, Bulnacano is so upset that, fuck, she got beaten and she knows it. So she, she, so she uh, releases her aggression, and then she leaves. Nagayo's upset, and she goes, No, 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 you're not going to beat my ass because you're a sore loser. Get your ass back in here, and 
basically apologize and admit that I'm the better person. And Bill Nakano goes, I'll admit you're the better person if we can meet again, because I think you got lucky. That is good booking. That is good storytelling. That is old school, old school uh, storytelling. Bull Nakano knew she had her dead to rights and Nagayo got lucky. Nagayo admitted to the fact that, yeah, maybe I did get lucky, but I still beat your ass one, two, three. So let's do it again. I don't think we're done here. That is great. It's a meter. It makes you want a rematch. And that's yes. what you want. Like, I don't want not to Tam again. I don't want them to wrestle ever again. No. And I, I want to see the next part in this, uh, in this uh, Bull Nakano versus Chikusa Nagayo thing. Like, I just want to see it, right? It, it exactly. Makes you want and I it. really and I really think a big part that played into this is because they made this feel like such a big match going in with their with their gear, with their demeanors of their gear and how they went about the match itself. Where Nagayo was getting the shit kicked out of her and Nagayo admitted that you beat the hell out of me, but I still won 1 2 3. I want a rematch to prove that I can meet you at least halfway kind of situation or yeah. or more so Nagaya was not it's... happy she was happy that she beat her but she wasn't happy that she got away with beating her like it, it didn't convince herself that she did it makes it yeah, it makes her come off as a great baby face because that's how she wants right and then it makes Nakano still come off as a, a heel right because she beat the crap out of Rachel's sore loser but it makes her come off as a convincing badass heel right someone who you think you should be afraid of or should expect to win. Yes. It's it's very... These are the aspects of old school type booking and matches that work. Like, you can do... Like, you can fully expect a DQ finish, a count out. Uh, this, this was a problem in all Japan. This was a pan- problem in New Japan. This was a problem in WWF where the cop out of a big match like this that you they still wanted to set up a rematch or another or two more where it would just be straight DQ. And that was something they used to do with Dump Matsumoto a lot, but they would wait months afterwards for a payoff because Dump lost her cool and got the DQ. So Dump had to live with the fact that she DQ'd herself being the badass, right? Yeah. Her punishment was she kicked so much ass, but she broke the rules so the federation or the or the uh, uh, the people in charge were like, well, you don't deserve a rematch. You're going to have to earn it back. And then that was the situation of the heel earning back their chance. So they're still a badass, but they paid for their actions situation. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like it's really good booking. It's it's just almost like they knew how to they they had people there who knew how to make these people stars, how to book around things, and how to set up rematches perfectly. And it matched their characters. That's the other thing. Yeah, it did. With today, it's it's so much about less than booking around the characters. And so much about, like, they think they booked themselves into a corner where they have to DQ this, count out this, run in that. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's become a crutch rather than a story amplification. Like, Asuka and Sasha Banks with Bailey doing her bullshit... Why couldn't Sasha Banks win by cheating, for example, and Asuka getting her heat back? Why couldn't Asuka win off a flash big move 
and then the heels busting in and and bitching that I had you dead the right situation. There are ways around this that they just don't do anymore, uh, which is lost to time. We kind of see this in flashes in some promote ice ribbon with the time limit draws. That's an old school way that they still do very well. Uh, we've seen flashes of Kagetsu being the the uh, the spit misting heel that works in the great Muda kind of sense. These s- still can exist. But the art form of it is kind of being lost to time, unfortunately. And that's what we saw here with Nagayo Bull Nakano. It is a classic, great match that everyone should go out of their way to watch. And Kay, I, I, you agree with all what I'm saying here? Definitely. I think the, to go on the characters and booking things, they don't book around characters, they book around scenarios now. Ah, great example. I like that. I agree with that. But yes, yeah, so a great match. Uh, go watch any AJW match. It, this one, the next one, any of them. It's just all of them are so good. It makes you really uh, sort of realize that wrestling is not what it used to be. It's not bad, but it's definitely got a different vibe than what it used to have. It's it's just it's just different. That's all it is. It's different. But um, what what I'm trying to convey here is you don't you don't forget the past. You learn from it. What worked, what didn't. Like, yeah. doing three, four, five house shows where you do, like, count-out finishes in a row, that's not going to work in 2020, okay? That's not going to work but, last year or the year before that, either. It's just not no. the booking. No. That doesn't work because of because of the age we live in. Now, a finish like this in a main event, and you wanting to build up more for months on end, and possible rivals for the next two, three, four years. Yes, this works perfectly. It's long-term storytelling then. That's what I'm trying to convey. Yeah, it's, it's like I said before, I, I'm a sucker for storytelling in rings, in ring matches, and this is perfect. It's telling a story not just in the ring, but outside the ring, and I think that's really good. Um, it's, I don't know, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that watching some of this stuff, it's just a weird whiplash when I watch this and then I say like watch a, a stardom main event and it just feels so different it doesn't always feel different in a bad way but it just def- doesn't have that legit feel to it anymore that it did right. I mean the jungle Mayu match had that had its emphasis on a big match feel there's no doubt about that it those are the things that have carried over from the all Japan women age and go figure Rossi was part of that, right? Yeah, he definitely So there are still was. some things he's he's hung on to that definitely works. That's part of it. More of that to emphasize. And he's always made a point to showcase a big match in that sort of feel, kind of in a modern sense. So there's definitely kudos to be had here. No, definitely. And I think um, both sides of it. I think uh, if you just look at Ice Ribbon, the way they book things, like you said, what, time limit stuff and their belts all have time limits, and that's I like that as a concept. Like you can't you can't go to a tunnel and draw to defend your belt because nobody won, right? Right. To draw, nobody won. Therefore, the belt's got no holder because nobody won it. It's it's really cool. I like that. Um, I don't know if AJW ever did that. I think they did. Um, but just weird. It's like booking things like that that I think make matches better because you know if you have like a Maya Sukasa match, he goes down to. Like, the last five minutes, you know there's a desperate struggle to win right. by both sides because nobody wins if they get a draw. Well, all right, Kay. We've been here 
I think I got I got I think I had you for two and a half hours on this podcast. That was fun though. Super fun. Big Egg Josie Wrestling Podcast. You can find that out on Spotify and many other outlets out there. Kay, thank you for joining me. 